don't know about you, but I, I really feel God's presence here today. And, and uh, I think for more than a few people in this room, the day is going to make a big difference. Some chains are going to be broken and some people are going to be set free. In Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 31, we read the following powerful God-breathed words. In Lean In Church, this is, uh, this is good stuff. If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, is, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God, and is also interceding for us. How awesome is that? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered a sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. May God bless the reading of his word. Uh, please pray with me. God, we love you. And you are a good, good father. And you are perfect in all of your ways. You're so good to us. And Father, your grace is so amazing. And God, you have done so, so, so many great things. And I ask you to do a great thing today here in this place, God, that you would just move, that our hearts and minds would be open to your spirit, that the enemy would have no place here. Lord, that you would just protect us so that we can lean into your truth. Father, enable me to honor you uh, with the words that I'm about to say. May they be your words. May they be what you want me to say. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Welcome to week two of our four-week series, Overcome the Challenges We Face. I I understand it's God's plan and it's God's desire that you overcome every challenge that stands in the way of you becoming the person and living the life that God intends for you to live. And that's good news, right? Uh, Look at three people and tell them, with God, you will overcome it. With God, you will overcome it. Whatever it is. Now, 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 last week we talked about overcoming anxiety. Uh, which is unhealthy, which is unproductive, which is unbecoming for a child of God, which, um, which is unbecoming for a son or daughter of the king of the universe. And in that conversation, we discovered that we can actually reverse anxiety and walk down a path that leads us to the peace of God that transcends all understanding. And, and here's the deal. When the waves and winds of anxiety come crashing over the boat 
of your life, if you want Jesus to stand up in the stern of your boat and say, peace be still, bringing calm to your heart and mind, you need to do this. You need to, first of all, celebrate God's greatness and goodness. He's great and he's good. This will put your anxiety and problems in their proper perspective. You need to ask God for help. You need to leave your anxiety with him. You need to meditate on good things. Don't meditate on the mess. And you need to start doing what you know. And when you do that, Jesus calms your anxiety. And I got to tell you, this like really works. I mean, you guys have no idea, if you are here last week, that I was under such anxiety Saturday night and Sunday morning, it was absolutely unbelievable. I didn't know if I was going to be able to sleep, right? It was incredible. It was horrible. You know, and I did this. In worship, I celebrated the greatness and goodness of my God. You know, and then I asked God, you know what, God, hey, take this away. God, I'm going to leave it with you. I'm going to think of good things. And then I'm going to start doing what I know. What I know I need to do, I get, no, I know I need to get up here. I know I need to get up here and share God's word. And I can't, I got to tell you, I had a peace that transcends all understanding. This works because it's not pop psychology. Because it's the word of God. Amen? Amen. This morning we're going to talk about overcoming another challenge that many times stands between you and the life that God intends for you to live. The conversation is called Moving Beyond Insecurity. And here's how I want to drill down on the conversation this morning. I want to talk about, hey, what is insecurity? What causes insecurity? And then moving beyond insecurity. Okay, let's do this. Let me give you a basic definition of the word insecurity as we begin our journey. Insecurity. Self-doubt, a feeling of uncertainty about yourself, lack of confidence about yourself, a low self-esteem. So insecurity, uh, what is it? Uh, number one, I think it's everybody's battle. Uh, understand, insecurity is no respecter of persons. And because of that, we all pretty much at one time or another, we have to fight this battle. I mean, insecurity is a challenge faced by young and old, male and female, rich and poor, famous and not famous, educated and not educated. I I, want to show you some photographs of some very famous people who really struggled with feelings of of insecurity. And and the first guy, he came from a a very influential family. He was a diplomat, a U.S. congressman. He was U.S. Secretary of State. He was a president of the United States. I, I would say that's a pretty impressive resume. I mean, of the hundreds of millions of people who've lived in our country during the last 230 years, only 45 guys have held that title. Yet, you can put the picture up there, yet at the age of 70, he don't look very happy, does he? Uh, Anybody know who that is? It's John Quincy Adams. He said this, my whole life has been a succession of disappointment. I can scarcely recollect a single instance of success in anything I ever undertook. Uh, This famous Pulitzer Prize winning author of The Grapes of Wrath and other works such as Of Mice and Men and East of Eden said that he felt like an imposter for the praise he got for his work and he once wrote in his journal, I'm not a writer. I've been fooling myself and other people. Anybody know who that is? John Steinbeck. 
Now, this U.S. president, before his inauguration, he wrote a, a note to Supreme Court Chief Justice John Rutledge about how he was, he, he was concerned about if he'd be able to live up to the expectation that the people would have on him. Perhaps you recognize this guy, George Washington. Now, this famous actor, I mean, he actually played in four James Bond movies. He has some serious thoughts of insecurity. He once said, I know what it's like to loathe oneself, to feel that deep self-loathing. It's painful and ugly and unwanted. You think, am I smart enough? Am I equipped enough to deal with it all? You don't want it to happen, but insecurity is a part of life. Anybody know who he is? Pierce Brosnan. And this Oscar award-winning actress describes herself this way. I'm an optimistic, joyous person, but also afraid and insecure. Sandra Bullock. And this young, award-winning actress and singer recently said in an interview in Us magazine, I feel really insecure sometimes. I go through weird ups and downs. Anybody know who she is? Selena Gomez. All right, just one more. Uh, this very popular actor and rapper, a prince who once lived in Bel Air. <laughs> and whose Newsweek magazine once called him the most powerful actor in Hollywood, said in an interview, I still doubt myself every single day. What people believe is my, what people believe is my self-confidence is actually my reaction to fear and insecurity. And Will Smith. Uh, last Friday, I posted on Facebook asking people to simply like the post if they've ever struggled with feelings of insecurity. And I had Facebook friends from Florida to South Dakota, from Las Vegas to New Hampshire, from business owners to stay-at-home moms, young and old, male and female, all acknowledging that they struggle with insecurity. Uh, a pastor friend of mine and a West Point graduate said, he made a comment, if people read this post, it should be one of the most liked posts, one of your most liked posts ever. By the way, it wasn't, and I feel rather insecure about that. <laughs> uh, what I'm trying to say is insecurity is pretty much everyone's battle at one time or another. I, I spent some time looking for a survey that would tell me the percentages of people who struggle with insecurity, but I couldn't find any, so I thought, hey, I'll do a survey in here. So raise your hand if you've ever struggled with feelings of insecurity, Okay. You can put them down. Uh, raise your hands if you struggle with these feelings more frequently than you would like. Okay. Now raise your hands if you're too insecure to raise your hands. <laughs> it's everybody's battle. And it's also a really big deal. First, because of the life that it causes us to live. You see, insecurity causes us to live fearful lives. Fear of what? Fear of being exposed. You see, we're afraid that everyone will find out what we already know to be true about ourselves. And once they know who we are, then they'll know what we're really struggling with. They'll know about all the weaknesses inside of us, and we'll be exposed, found out. Therefore, we live in constant fear because if I get exposed, if, if I get found out, if people really know who I am on the inside, then they will no longer see or feel about me the same way. I could be weighed and found wanting. 
It also causes us to live defensive lives. Uh, because we're afraid that what we have, even if what we have is not real, is a facade, will be taken away from us. And so we build walls, we build defenses around our lives, and therefore, uh, we tend to push back whenever someone, anyone, attempts to correct us, challenge us, speak truth into us, point out some area where we are weak. You see, when we feel insecure, all feedback and all criticism is seen as a, an attack on our person. It causes us to live fearful lives, defensive lives, and it causes us to live self-promoting lives. And, and, and this is where we, where we hide the truth about ourselves by projecting out something that we know is not true. In other words, we project and pretend to be something or someone that we know we're not. We, want, we, we project out that, hey, we're, we're a strong person, we're confident, we're bold, we're caring, we're spiritual, we're happy, we're content, we're unafraid, we're caring, we're relational healthy. And, and listen, our modern culture has the perfect mechanism to take our self-promotion on steroids. It's called social media. I, I mean, if we can just stage the right photo, if we can just create the right post, we can easily project to others something we know is not true. See, insecure people are notorious for wanting people to believe something about them that they know is not true. So insecurity, it's a big deal. It causes us to live fearful lives, defensive lives, and self-promoting lives. Now, question. Do you agree that living in any of those ways Fearful, defensive, and self-promoting is fun or freeing. No, it's not. It's far from fun. And it's so not freeing. Get it? Good. And next is a big deal because of the life it causes us to never live. Listen, living a fearful, defensive, self-promoting life is not the life God has for you or for me. And here's the deal. If we don't learn how to move beyond insecurity, we will never fully live the life that God intends for us. And we'll never do the good things that he planned in advance for us to do. Author Brennan Manning says, the following regards what happens when we do not move beyond insecurity. He says this, great deeds remain undone and the possibility of growth into greatness of soul is aborted. Great deeds remain undone, and the possibility of growth into greatness of soul is aborted. You know, I wonder, what great deeds will remain undone, what dreams will go unfulfilled, what lies will go unlived, what greatness of soul will never be reached? How many lives that so desperately need to be touched in our world won't be touched? And how much needless emotional pain we will bear, all because we did not move beyond insecurity. Okay, that's what it is. I want to talk about some of the causes. One is believing the lies of the enemy. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native tongue, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Understand. Every single person in this room has a very powerful enemy. He's a liar, and there's no truth in him. 
and he will do whatever he needs to do. He will whisper in your ear whatever he needs to whisper in order to attack your worth and value and security that you have in Christ. Now, how do you know if it's his voice? Well, I, I like the filter or litmus test that John Eldridge gives us in his book, Waking the Dead. Here's our litmus test. Lit- litmus test. Any word or suggestion that brings discouragement, condemnation, or accusation, that's not from God. Neither is confusion, nor any counsel that would lead you to disobey what you know. Reject it all and carry on in your journey. The voice of God is never condemning, never harsh or accusing. His conviction brings a desire for repentance. Satan's accusation kills our hearts. And that is so unfortunately true. But his lies and his accusations, it kills our hearts. And listen, Satan often speaks his lies through other people. Spouses, brothers, sisters, friends, culture, and especially through mom and dad through parents. You know, parents were an interesting lot. I've been one for 35 years. I was five at the time. (laughs) I wish. Um, And I went online and found some funny things that parents say to their kids that if you weren't a parent, you would never imagine you would say such things. Things like, I know it hurts, but I will not kiss your butt. No, honey, her face isn't melting. Those are called wrinkles. No, he doesn't have a baby in his tummy. Sometimes your breath stinks too. Stop licking the dog. Those gummy bears are not going to go up your nose. Why are you eating boogers? (laughs) We don't pee on our friends. (laughs) Did you really just ask me what will happen when I get the three? Take the funnel out of your sister's ear. Put grandpa's teeth back where you found them. (laughs) Yes, you make a lovely ballerina, but boys don't wear tutus to church. What if I spit in your soda? Don't put the chips back in the bowl after you lick them. The dog's nose does not need picking. You can't pee in just anyone's yard. Take your food out of your pants. Get your brother out of the washing machine. Come on, less singing and more pooping. (laughs) Crazy stuff. And and then we ask some questions that we don't really want the answer to, right? Do you want me to give you something to cry for? Close the door. Were you born in a barn? Do Do you think I cleaned this house for my health? Do you want me to come up there? No, we're good. We're fine. You're tired? I'll give you tired. This is going to hurt me a lot more than it's going to hurt you. At least for me, that was a total lie. My all-time favorite, right? Do I look stupid to you? Oh, you suck. All right, you know what? I'm going to take the hit on this one. Yeah, you do. Crazy things. Crazy things. But they can say some hurtful things, some security distorting things. Why can't you be more like your brother? Can't you do anything right? I wish you were never born. You'll always disappoint me. You will never amount to anything. 
I can't wait until you grow up and get out of here. I never wanted you in the first place. And listen, these hurtful words, and by the way, they're not just spoken by parents, right? Sometimes by teachers or coaches or ex-spouses or friends or some, some jerk in middle school. But they cause people to embrace these negative beliefs and lies about themselves. And, and no, the, and even though no one's not saying those things anymore, it, you keep replaying the tape again, again, and again. I'm a mistake. I'm a burden. It's not my fault. I'm worthless. I'll never measure up or be good enough. No one will ever love me if they really knew me. Peter Pissarro in his book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, said it's astounding how many deeply committed followers of Jesus would affirm that those statements articulate how they truly feel about themselves. Another cause of insecurity is drinking the deadly toxin of comparison. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. Look, look at three people and tell them, comparing yourself with other people is dumb. <clears throat> it's dumb. Now, now, I was going to use the word stupid, but I thought that would offend some people. They maybe didn't want to say that. Um, you know, and as I said many, many times before, we live like no other time in history in a culture of incessant comparison. I mean, through the media, social and traditional, we have instant access to the lives of those we know, those we don't know, those we can't stand, those we wish we were, and those we'd give anything to measure up to. Well, not actually access to their lives, access to the parts of the lives they want us to see. I mean, nobody posts a shot, right, of all the fighting and fussing and screaming and hollering that went on right before they snapped that perfect Christmas photo before that perfectly decorated Christmas tree. And no one posts Tommy pitching a fit in the checkout on the grocery store because he wanted Skittles and mom said no. Uh, nobody posts things like, I can't believe I lost my temper and flew into a rage on my family over something so silly. Or things like, well, I missed another one of my kids' baseball games and performances. They're really disappointed, but hey, that was the best round of golf I ever played. Instead, we post pictures of Tommy sitting on mom's lap, reading him Dr. Seuss, and Sally accepting the dance competition trophy. And the fun family outing where everybody is smiling. And the enemy uses all of this, the images that we see of what, of who we think others are and what we think they're doing to make us feel bad about who we are. And I've said this countless times, but it's worth repeating because some of us just keep doing it. One of the main reasons we struggle with insecurity is because we're comparing our behind the scenes with everybody else's highlight reel. I mean, have you ever gone on Facebook or Instagram or look how much my life is better than yours a gram? <laughs> and after a while, you're like, wow, I'm pretty bummed out about my marriage, my home, my life, my car, my dog, my accomplishments. Studies have been done, right, that show that, that, that if Facebook prolonged 
time on Facebook, it, it causes people to have low self-esteem. New York Post had an article uh, uh, several weeks back that said how social media is, is destroying the lives of teenage girls. And maybe moms and dads, we need to step into the game and help them, right? They're getting beat up. Question, when someone gets a promotion, a new boyfriend, new girlfriend, buys a new house, new car, uh, loses 25 pounds, experiences a huge success, posts those perfect family photos, you know the ones that look like Stepford families, right? Do you feel worse about who you are? Listen, when you compare how you look, what you have, where you live, what you know, what you've accomplished, what you do to other people, your vision of who you really are will become severely distorted. And listen, though I know better, I still, like a lamb going to the slaughter, will belly up to the bar of comparison. And when I do, the vision of who I am gets really distorted. Kind of like these selfies I took on Friday. Check these out. Okay? <laughs> that's, that's a good one, right? Here's one here. That's my godfather. That's my godfather. Margle. Right? Okay, here's one here. Here's my next selfie right here. Hey. So, peace out, y'all. Peace out. All right. Okay. At least I'm thinking. I, I kind of like that last one. If I, if I could pull that off every day, I'd go for that one. But it gets distorted. It's not you. It's the, the lens you're seeing yourself through. God did not create you to live somebody else's life. God did not create you to live somebody else's life. God did not create you to live somebody else's life. A third cause of insecurity is looking for security in insecure places. You see, we will live out our lives in one of three ways. Insecure, falsely secure, or secure in God. Insecure, falsely secure, or secure in God. We're about to talk about securing God when I talk about moving, moving beyond insecurity, but I, I want to briefly talk about a few of those insecure places that, that people try to find security. Now, now, they're not bad in and of themselves, but when you make them the source of your security, they're ultimately just sinking sand. Money. Many look to money for security. If I had more money, more stuff, I would feel much better about me. In fact, there are actually financial instruments called securities. But we learned in 2008 that they're not as secure as we thought they were, right? See, if you think money will take away your insecurity, you're deceived. Jesus called it the deceitfulness of riches. And you know those famous people I showed right, that have insecurity? Some of them have net worths north of a quarter billion dollars. It didn't work for them. It's not going to work for you. Now, don't misunderstand me. Money's a good thing, especially when it's used to help the poor and to advance the kingdom. And money can bring some security, but only God can bring total security. Get it? Good. Another insecure place to find your security is in your appearance. If I look good, then I feel good about me. And you know, it's unbelievable Unbelievable the level of importance that appearance has in our world, especially in our country. I mean, many bow down to this God. Now, don't misunderstand me. It's, it's good to look good. 
It's okay to look your best. There's nothing wrong with it. In fact, we should take care of our body. However, I need to tell you the truth. I, I want to give you the bottom line. When it comes to your appearance, you're in a battle with gravity, and gravity is going to win. Yes, gravity is going to suck your skin to the floor, drag you to the grave. I'm just trying to encourage you this morning. That's my spiritual gift. Now, now I, I, I turned 59 a few weeks back, and gravity and, and me have been fighting. I'm not in the same shape I was when I was 29. So I decided this summer I'm going to use this to bless other people. See, uh, this summer I, I'm going to go to the pool with a mission to make everybody else feel good about their body. <laughs> I'm going to make it a ministry. Like, when I walk by, they're going to think, thank God I don't look like that. And I'm going to say, Lord, another life, bless for you. But seriously, your looks are going to change. And sure, it's good to put up a fight against gravity. Give it a go. But I want you to know you're going to lose. <laughs> and if you put your security, how you feel about you and your parents, you'll live an insecure life. Do you know what group of people are the most insecure people and most insecure about their appearance? Fashion models. Here's one. I, I never heard of her, but this is Miranda Kerr. She's an Australian model. She said this, models are some of the most insecure people I've ever met. Like, how could, they're like, insecure about their appearance? They're like, are you kidding me? Accomplishments are another false place to find your security. And, and you know, they may make you feel good for a while about you, but what about when someone else accomplishes more or someone else gets a promotion or there's nothing but dust on the last plaque you got? What about when you fail? What about when the time for you accomplishing all the stuff you think makes you significant is over? But then, listen, if, if U.S. presidents and award-winning actors found that accomplishments were not the answer to dealing with their feelings of insecurity, what makes you think you're the exception? You're not. You're not. You know, I, I grabbed some things from my office, you know, that little section, you, the I love me wall that you sometimes have, right? You know, it's got like, oh, wow, in 1992, I, I won the preaching award. That's awesome. You know, when I was in the Navy, I, I got through nuclear power school and on my first patrol, you know, I got my dolphins on my first patrol and Captain Moore wrote me a nice note there. I, I graduated. I need a new frame. This is really messed up. <laughs> uh, I take care of my love me wall, you know. And I graduated, it's like, hey, I was a valedictorian, I was summa cum laude, oh, that's really great. And you know what? When I graduated and everybody's clapping, I felt good about me. It doesn't quite do it that much anymore. Right? It just doesn't last. And then some look for popularity, right? For people to like us, to admire us, and if people like me and admire me, then you know what? Then I'm okay. And listen, we put too high of a premium what other people think of us. It affects so much, right? What we'll say or won't say in a conversation. Who do I date? Who do I don't date? What do I wear? Do I tell that person they hurt me? What kind of career should I choose? What kind of photos should I post? Listen, here. Insecurity happens when we give, are you listening? When we give life-defining authority to other people. 
That's when it happens. And that includes your spouse. Don't make your spouse your ultimate source of security. They will fail you. Can I get an amen, Laurie Malone? <laughs> Talk to her. <laughs> Talk to her. You see me preaching, think I'm all that. I'm nothing. <laughs> Believe me when I tell you. Listen, when we give a vote to people about who we are and what we're worth, who should not have a vote, it leads to insecurity. Now I want to talk about moving beyond insecurity as we wrap up. And, uh, and just like last week, we had the word calms. This is the word, I'm using the word run. So when you feel the waves of insecurity, I want you to run. And that's what we want to do usually, right? We run. But, but I don't want you to run to accomplishments, to popularity, to, 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 to money. I, I, I don't want you to run to those things. I, I don't want you to run to some addiction uh, to numb your pain. I, I want you to run. I want you to run to a place beyond insecurity. And the R and run stands for replace the lies of the enemy and the deadly toxin of a comparison with the truth of God. Jesus said the truth will set you free. I believe that God's truth has the power to set you free from your insecurity. And I stand before you as someone who's battled insecurity for a really long time. But today's my freedom day. Amen? Today's my freedom day. God's truth can set me free. It can set you free. Uh, both from the lies of the enemy and the toxin of comparison. And so when you, begin, when you begin to feel insecure and the lies are screaming in your ear and you're comparing yourself and feeling bad about yourself, I want you to run. Replace the lies of the enemy and the comparisons with the truth of God. And this will, need, mean, this will mean that you will need to open up this book. And read about what God has to say about you. Get it? Good. Read what God says about how he sees you. How he's pleased with you. How he loves you. How much he values you. How you are his masterpiece. How he was willing to send his son to die for you. And so I, I want to throw out a challenge for everybody, but especially if insecurity is your kind of constant companion. Go to bed with it, you wake up with it, it chases you throughout the day. From the day until next Sunday, for seven days, turn off all social media. Oh my gosh! Hello! Oh, it's got to be something way! <laughs> I had no idea I was going to do that. My microphone's all messed up, hanging around, falling on the floor. All right. Sorry. <laughs> oh, good. I didn't, I'm looking that way. You know why I'm looking that way, right? All right. Because my wife's over there. Okay. Seven days. All. Oh. Is that really social media? If you're asking if it's social media, I would say the answer is yes. <laughs> if you got to let people know, hey, I'm going dark. Let them know you're going dark. And so instead of waking up and spending your day comparing your fake with their fake, you can read the following Psalms out loud. I put them in your program. In Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. 
Psalm 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Psalm 25, in you, Lord, my God, I put my trust. Psalm 91, whoever dwells in the shelter of the most high rest in the shelter of the Almighty. Read them out loud. They're saying, I don't have time to do that. You do because you shut off all social media. I found this study right here. It'll pop up. You'll see the age and how many hours spent each day on social media. You can see it right there. 16 to 24, three hours a day on social media, right? Uh, You can see the numbers right there. So I just want to challenge you to do that. Replace the lies of the enemies with the truth of God. Turn it off for a week. Read God's word, what he says about you, and see if it makes a difference, okay? Anybody think it'll make a difference? Anybody really going to do it? Probably not, right? (laughs) Run. Uh, The U stands for understand the measuring stick for the kingdom of God. Um, Jesus told a parable in Matthew 25, shortly before his arrest and crucifixion, and about a guy going on a journey, and he gave men some talent, his money. Right? About 20 times your yearly salary would be, that's what talent is, 20 times what you make in a year. And one guy gave five, another guy he gave two, another guy gave one, each according to his ability. Interesting thing was, the guy who had five went out and earned five more, and the master said, yo, you, you crushed it. Hey, come enjoy my happiness. The guy with two went out and made two more, and he said, well done, you crushed it. Come enjoy my happiness, Right? And, and, and here's the deal, right? The guy with two didn't have to make five, did he? Check out the statement. This is so huge. The measuring stick in the kingdom of God is not being the best at what you do. Instead, it's giving the best with what you have been given. In other words, hey, you look good. And you've accomplished some things. But you're not my measuring stick. You're not my measuring stick. How you look, what you have, what you do, what you accomplish, your life is not my measuring stick. My God is my measuring stick. Amen? Amen. You know, that's your measuring stick. You ain't got to do what God's called you to do. That's your measuring stick. I'm glad you look good. Awesome. Great. Praise God. But you're not my measuring stick. I'm glad you accomplished that. That's fantastic. Praise God. But that's not my measuring stick. You need to run. And, and, and here's, the, here's the point, and I need you guys to lean in. This is going to go fast, but it's so important. The N stands for never look for security in any place other than God. See, insecurity happens when we give life-defining authority to other people. Security happens when we give life-defining authority to God. And see... Moving beyond insecurity is about moving beyond insecurity to confidence in God. Listen, we do not become secure by becoming more confident in ourselves, but by becoming more confident in God. You you will not become secure by becoming more confident in you. You'll become secure by becoming more confident in God. Amen? And, And... And hear me, I think sometimes 
that's why some of us think we're always being secure. Because we think that we got to be, I don't think I can ever be that confident in myself. You're not supposed to be. <laughs> that's not where it's supposed to be. You're supposed to be confident in God. When David stepped in the valley, he was not armed with confidence in himself. He was armed with confidence in God. When God came to Moses and said, hey, you need to deliver my people. And Moses said, who am I? In other words, I, I know me, God. I, I got some issues. I got a past. I've done some things I'm not proud of. Who am I? I'm insecure to go. And you'll note that God didn't give a pep talk to Moses. Moses, you don't understand how awesome you are. You're just incredible, Moses. You just need to be more confident in you, Moses. That's not what he did. He said what? And God said, I will be with you. I'll be with you. And you see the same thing again and again and again in Scripture with Gideon, with Joshua, with Jeremiah, with Hezekiah, with the nation as a whole. God always calling his people beyond their insecurity to a confidence in him. And listen, the same God is making the same call today. He's calling you, he's calling me to move beyond our insecurity into a confidence in him, to a confidence in his love. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are to a confidence in his plan. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. To a confidence in his protection. The name of the Lord is a strong tower and the righteous run to it and are protected. To confidence that he has prepared you for we are God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. To confidence that he will strengthen you. Those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not be faint. To confidence that he will help you. I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. To a confidence that he is greater. Yes, dear children, rather you, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in this world. You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. To a confidence that no matter what you're going through, that God has your back. He has your six. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. To a confidence that he's coming back for you. When everything is ready, I'll come back and get you so that you'll always be with me where I am. To a confidence that, that he will guard, that he's able to guard what you have entrusted to him. Paul says, I know who I have believed, and I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. I know whom I have believed, and I'm convinced that he is able. I'm convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. 
Brothers and sisters, when the ways of insecurity beat against you, I want you, God wants you to run. Father God, we love you. What an honor to be in your presence. And God, I pray that we will find our security in you. God, I, I pray for myself, God, that it's not just a message that I shared and I go home, I eat lunch and I take a nap and I get up Monday and I live the same way I've lived for my entire life. I want to run. I want to replace those lies in comparisons with your truth. I want to know that you're my measuring stick. And, and God, I only want to look to you for my security and have a confidence in you. God, be with my brothers and sisters. Be with anyone struggling with insecurity to know that they're loved deeply by you because you're a good, good father. Thank you that in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. In Jesus' name, amen.